Microsoft and Sony partnership? Not what you would expect. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 112. 112. Uh, if you are not familiar with us, we are a PlayStation-oriented podcast, so we do talk about everybody, uh, all the competition as they pertain against PlayStation and things that we'd like to see them echo or whatever. You know, we talk about it all. But you can find us every Monday at 12 p.m. CST and 10 a.m. PST on YouTube in video format where you can watch us. And if you like what we're doing over there, consider subscribing, hitting the bell notification. It'll let you know when these videos go live, like we said, every Monday. Uh, and then every other Friday for the reader mail section that we do for this show. And then the other Friday for something else that you will be learning about very soon. But if you like what we're talking about and want to throw in your opinions, do so by going down in the comments below. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to listen to us, and it's a lot easier for you to do that, you can do so by going to podcast services, be it across iPhones, Android phones, does not matter. You can find us on Spotify, Razor iTunes, Google Play Music. I don't know about the Razor flip phones. Didn't they release a new one that's uh, essentially the same thing, but with a touchscreen and an Android operating system? I hope so. That'd be kind of cool. I thought they did, or at least they teased it. I'm not kept up with Motorola as much as I probably should have. Anyway, yeah, if you want to do that, you can find us on all those podcast services. If there's one that you see we're not on, let us know. We will get that fixed soon, but we think we have it under control. Uh, and if you want to chime in and give us your thoughts on things, you can go over to our social media channels. Talk with us there since there's no comments on those. Uh, and those are Twitter, which is at Triangle SQRD is our handle for that. You can go over to Facebook and join the Facebook group, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Ask to be entered in, and we will gladly uh, approve that. And you won't see Saul there because he doesn't have a Facebook, but you'll see me and some other members of the community. And if you want to join our moments, moment, day-to-day -day talking, uh, you can do so and join our conversation with the majority of the community over in our Discord. And the Discord link is in the description below, both in the video and the podcast services. So if you want to do that, you can go ahead and hop in over there. Lastly, if you'd like to support the show and what we do with as little as even a dollar, you can go over to our Patreon uh, and subscribe there or whatever you want to do. You can support us over there. Uh, and if you do so at a higher tier, you get a chance to or you get a custom case of your choice every quarter. So look into that if you haven't seen that. And I'm thinking, you know, what, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out here. We have once before made a short little run of stickers that we sent out with some giveaways. We think it would be a fun idea to have it as a short, limited-time bonus, make a stack of stickers, maybe like 100 or something, who knows how many, But and then do it to where if you subscribe to Patreon at a dollar or more that you get that sent to you uh, as a bonus for joining. I don't know. It seemed like a fun idea, and it'd be cool to give people stickers if they like the idea of that. So let us know what you think about those things and if it would sway your opinion one way or the other. But with that said, I think it's time to start this thing off right. Saw what you've been doing all week, what you've been playing, if anything. Go ahead. Still a lot of Destiny 2. For the times that I've, I've stopped seen. playing, uh, or the times that I've started playing a game, it's been pretty much Destiny 2. I finally got Luna's Howl and Recluse, which are big accomplishments for me. Uh, and I'm working on the Gambit Pinnacle Weapon, 21% Delirium, and I am also working on getting the Dredgen title. I am one uh, one item away from it. i got to get the, the ship. Dredgen is what, the Gambit thing? Yeah. Right? You have to complete all the Gambit uh, Triumphs and the Triumph Seal, and then you got to get all the Gambit stuff. You have to get every uh, armor, uh, weapon for Gambit, and the Ghost, Ship, and Sparrow. Those are the hardest ones to get. 
But Ghost, you get by resetting your rank three times. I already have it done twice, and I'm almost to the third one. So all I really got to worry about is the Ghost. Or the ship. So I've been playing Destiny 2 as well. Um, and I'm going to throw two things out there. First thing is, if y'all are playing, and I know Joe was like, hey, I want, I want y'all to play, and if, if play whatever will help. I never know when y'all are in the middle of something. You never have your party set to open, so I just kind of sometimes will leave it and just play by myself if well, I know I'm doing stuff me? anyway. But if y'all are on, regardless of whether I'm on, and you think I could be on... Just shoot you a party invite? That, or actually send me the invite for the Discord that you made specifically for that, because that'll probably Let's be enough. do that right now while I'm thinking about so, it. So anyway, that's that's how we'll do that, because I don't want to impede on y'all when y'all are in the middle of something that has nothing to do with me, and since I'm having to build my level up so much, that's our Discord I've been icon. trying to... God... <laughs> It's but anyway, Elon Musk and Saint of Helm 14. Yep. Yep. That's good. But anyway, uh, the secondary thing is I was playing Gambit yesterday to do my uh, weekly for it or my daily, one of the two, whichever it was. Um, and I noticed by the time I got to the third round, have they changed Gambit original? Cause I haven't played in so long to where at the third round, it is immediately uh, to oh, your it's overtime. If y'all both won. So yeah. So the third round only happens when one team wins. It's one, 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 and you got yeah, yeah. two out of three. So the third round's always like you, you become supercharged where your supercharges faster. And it's um, imme- no no moat section immediately to the prime evil. Yeah, and the evasion uh, uh, portal opens up. I couldn't think of the word portal. But yeah, they, oh, almost immediately. Yeah, it's, it's, it's open. So like it basically becomes down to a boss rush. Yeah, it it's was very fun. interesting. Yeah, it's real fun. They fixed it. Um, I still don't really like Gambit Prime that much. Uh, well, yeah, that was original. Now, Gambit Prime I did, and that's still just one match. Right. And I need to do more matches of those. That's one of the weeklies I have left. So if y'all are going to do I'll that. I'll do it because I'm like halfway I'll... through the last thing on Delirium okay. to get that. And I really well, want that. I'll gladly do that then, too, as well. I got the, it doesn't seem like it's that great of a piece, but it looks cool. That Sanguine Alchemy piece. Yeah, it's not that great. Uh, it's not that great, but you know what's better than the light blue that I had equipped? You know what I mean? So That's true. <laughs> I just equipped it, and I was like, oh, well, I look better than I did, and it's got better stats by far than that so what, what else uh, have you been playing though anything else it, at no, all no nothing else Man. What, about, what, about, what about you though uh got the platinum in days gone uh i cannot recommend that game enough i think it's really good but at the same time if days you gone want or rage wait, two? Oh, uh, of the two days gone okay uh, hands down i've heard a lot of people disappoint rage two. a lot disappointed is the right word but not that it's bad right trying to so the other game i've been playing and actually beat last night was rage 2 uh the game is incredibly short uh that's one thing so i think between the two if you're looking at days gone days gone is a very long game uh it has a lot of content and it continuously gets better in the story department uh whereas and it matters in the story there too i think days gone's a great game for that and now that when we get to news we'll talk about the newest update uh i think it's at a point where if you've been holding off on it because of updates, but that's the only thing, then I think now's a good time to jump in. If you still want to wait for a price drop, I don't think that's necessarily an unfair viewpoint. Moving on to Rage 2, though, Rage 2 is a game that is incredibly fun. It's got weighty combat. feels a lot like Doom and kind of mixed in with Killzone a little bit, that weighty sense of movement and the gun and everything snaps and the way that you feel when you're moving. I love, but also... This is one of the biggest reasons. If you have a pro, I think the biggest thing that makes the game feel so amazing is that on the pro and the Xbox One X, both, it runs at 60 frames per second, which is really weird for an open-world game. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, definitely an open-world shooter. It's not something... Well, you don't really see open-world shooters a lot, but even when you do, they tend not to be in the 60 frames per second range. And even the ones that aren't open-world but are open-hub, kind of like Metro Exodus, uh, that was still 30 frames per second. So it was kind of odd, and I appreciated that. Uh, but the game is also high action, so I guess that's part of why they feel the need to go 60 frames per second. I mean, Doom was 60 frames per second, and Doom Eternal looks to be 
cranking up the scale of Doom and still keeping it at 60 frames per second. Uh, but I think other than that, the gunplay is incredibly fun. It's got, it feels like I said, those two games, but it's also got its own decided bit of uniqueness where it's like you have powers. One of them can be like you uh, jump, uh, you uh, you activate it and you'll jump in the air and then slam your fist on the ground and it throws enemies up in the air. Uh, there's one where you can essentially like you hit a button and then you'll teleport to the people and like blast them back and you can upgrade That's, all of these abilities. That one sounds kind of cool. Uh, that one's awesome. And you can have it to where when you do that, it creates many explosions around that blow enemies back as well. The melee is real visceral and fun. So the gameplay itself is great, or the combat is, but the world is incredibly large and incredibly empty and doesn't feel like there's any... It's uh, The closest example I can give in recent memory is Final Fantasy XV. Uh, it's very large. It becomes a chore to traverse the world, and that's really a, a, a disappointment. And it just feels like there's no reason for it to be as big as it was. I would have taken the game at half of the size with the same amount of content, which I know to an extent makes it weird because it's like everything would be a little closer, but it makes the moment-to-moment gameplay more rewarding. And that's just a shame. And, but. you know, I, Bethesda's been on like a losing streak lately, and it seems that the disappointment of this game is almost to become expected. What's interesting is, is that I think outside of that element of the game, and the and, uh, I mean, the story is okay. It's, it's not, you know, anything amazing. It's fine. Um, but I actually think if you really look at it, I don't consider it really a, lo- a loss as much as it's just not capitalizing as much as it could have been, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, the game is relatively bug-free. I mean, it really isn't any major that's bugs. That's actually really The game runs really well and doesn't really have, at least on Pro, doesn't have any notable frame drops or anything like that, so it's a pretty stable game. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, the character models are ugly, but that's kind of par for the course, again, in those types of games, so I don't care. Right. Um, it's going to be an interesting E3. Like, I think that that Sunday, because it's Microsoft at, like, 4 or whatever, uh, it's normal time, and then they have Bethesda at, like, 7 or 8 for us. Um, I, I'm really kind of interested in Bethesda's just to hear, because you know Todd Howard's going to make what jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, and I'm curious about, like, what they're going to say in response to this past year, because uh, they did some pretty crappy things in relation to 76, like leaking information by accident and then yeah the whole bag scandal. stuff that exists completely outside of the game yeah on top of the fact that the game, the game was not that good a, yeah or, well, i mean launched, yeah uh, i can't say that now because i know a couple of people who have visited back uh donovan one of our friends and listeners also he talked about he went back to it recently and it was a lot better and i mean that's all you can hope in these types of games that are online services it's a lot like anthem right your hope is that eventually they update the game to be as good as it can right and that's i mean that's the same with destiny 2 destiny you just we talk about that a lot but that is your grand hope is that any of these games eventually reach the point where they're patched to be yeah, I think, serviceable i think there's a the, the difference though between content and bugs oh there definitely is and but i also think fallout 76 was lacking on both sides like you know it had yeah. it had bugs and i don't think it necessarily had a ton of compelling content uh which i mean you know that's anthem had bugs and had a lack of compelling so you know and, and i like i anthem would a lot. not be surprised so, that game is gone in two months uh I don't know if this is true. I was looking at a thing earlier. Sold apparently 3.7 million copies. That's not That's not bad, bad but I also So what I mean by that, that hype, so is I that there, I'm part of the problem. There is reason that to save the game is what I mean. What I was reading earlier is that they're looking at potentially, because there are ideas for that, but also looking at potentially moving to a free-to-play model, which actually I know a lot of people think is the death of something, but if you look at something like Warframe, which has been free-to-play from the get-go and has a lot of freedom because of that, with the, game, the way the game was already designed, it may not be a bad idea. I don't trust Bioware free-to-play. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's a, to be fair, I, I do want to see what happens with Bioware Austin being on the head of it now and see if there's any notable changes to the way the game is approached when there's a whole new set of eyes on it. But we'll see. We'll see. There's a Bethesda in Austin, isn't there? Uh, Bethesda Austin is where they opened the other one, yes. That's the one that did satellite 76. Yes. In conjunction with... Austin, y'all need better game developers. <laughs> but in conjunction with Maryland as well. Yeah. So, Maryland's the big one. Yeah. So, anyway, that's a pretty interesting thing. But those are the two things I played. I don't think I played anything else, actually. Well, besides... Let's see. Destiny Day's gone. Yeah. And Rage, Rage 2. 2. And I beat Rage 2 last night. Uh, and I don't think I'm going to platinum grind on it. It's, worth, worth the $60? No. Uh, I'd Ooh. say if you can get it $40 max, you'd be doing okay. $30 is probably a pretty good... The second Days Gone drops to 40, I'm picking it up. And the second that Rage did, 2 drops to 20, I'm picking it did up. Did you pick up Vampire? Oh, crap. No. I wonder if it's still on sale. I highly doubt now. I don't know, but that's the first time it's been on sale for a while. Um, I do think you'll like that game, though. So, you know, that's one of those things. That game didn't have any major bugs, no real huge performance issues, and was an interesting game. So, you know, you just got to hope that it's... Ah, <laughs> missed out on it. That sucks. I was yeah. ask, actually asking Sean about uh, Dreadwood or whatever it's called. Oh, yes, Darkwood. Darkwood. Um, and if he liked it, and he did, and I asked him Vampire or that game, and he was like Vampire. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll probably end up picking it up, and then I didn't. Yeah, Vampires were good. Uh, and I say that to everybody else. If you haven't played Vampire and it interests you at all, check it out. It's really good. Uh, but with that said, I think we will go ahead and move into the drop for one specific reason. I'm going to save the community's take until we go into the news and I'll open the news with that. And then we'll talk about the community's take in regards to it. So Saul, go ahead and um, drop into the hop as it were. Sure. So since this is the end of a generation, pretty much, I am not worrying about saying the <laughs> consoles. If it's VR, I'll let people know. But other than that, I assume it's PS4. Uh, and for those also that don't know, this is this week's weekly releases across PlayStation and its platforms. First on the list, we have Alternate Jake Hunter, Dedialis, The Awakening of Golden Jazz, American Fugitive. Back in 1995, this is a PS4 and PS Vita digital cross-buy title. We have Dauntless, Dollhouse, Dragon Fantasy Volumes of Wisteria, Everybody's Golf VR for, of course, PlayStation VR. Killing Floor, double feature. This is a uh, combo pack for PS4 and PSVR. We have The Last Door, complete edition for PS4. Uh, there I go again, saying PS4. Observation, Skelly Celeste. That's such a weird, like, Celeste, right? Skelly, yeah. Celeste, so, maybe? Celeste, yeah. Huh. Slay the Empire. No, Slay the Spire. <laughs> I don't know how I, I just went autopilot there with my brain. And then Team Sonic Racing, virtual, virtual reality. And, of course, that's for VR. That's the last one on the list. Um, have you seen much about Dauntless? Um, I've heard things about it. I just don't know if it's... Dauntless is a Monster Hunter-style game. Yeah. And I just free don't to know play. if it's worth picking up. Yeah, free to play as well. Um, so that's going to be interesting right to see how that goes with Monster Hunter being really, really good right now in terms of uh, hugely successful and with Iceborne right around the corner. Uh, weird time to release a game like that. Very weird. Very weird. Because Iceborne comes out in what? A uh, month? September. It's a, it's I a thought it was June. No, it's September. Um, but that's still not that far in the grand scheme of things. And there's things they're doing right now. Like, did you see that they had a temporary... It's over tomorrow, uh, but a temporary free trial of Monster Hunter World. So, that's smart. That's yeah. I, And I also implore anybody that wants a good game, whether multiplayer, co-op, or... Uh, Even single player. Single player, yeah. Pick that game up. There's tons of hours of content that have you had that game. 
Yeah, and there's a real challenge. Like, you know, Trace got it and was playing by himself, and he was having a real rough time, like the Odegoron. Uh, and stuff. He he got to that, and he was like, "How did you do that?" He's like, hey, "You can't do this by yourself." I was like, "Trace, I played the you majority do, of this yeah. game by myself. You can do everything in that game by yourself. It is hard, and then the and last it's incredibly boss, fun with other people too. I think the last boss you have to match make right, like the last story boss. I don't know because I, that's literally where I'm at in the game. Oh. I never beat it, uh, but I talked to Chad. He said he'd help me. So I, I mean, think I, it's I, I would, if you don't have a group, maybe you have to. I would jump back into know. that game. I would definitely alternate Destiny and Monster Hunter. That Monster Hunter is super fun. One of my favorite games. I'm trying to see how Destiny hooks me and how often I end up actually playing with y'all. And it's between that or Warframe with Railjack coming relatively soon. Which is the cool one that has the spaceship stuff that I really think was awesome looking. We'll see. I may even just bounce between them as the content comes. And kind of like I do with every game. I'm just not as dedicated as y'all. I can't play any game that long. It's just That's what I was telling Joe. I was like... Because uh, he's like, now we have Brett. And I'm like, to be fair, Brett will probably play for a month or so and then stop and then come back for, for a month later and then play for a month or so. That's just how but I play games. It's it is, really hard for me to you do pay, that. You jumped in at a very interesting time, though, because you do have a lot of new stuff to explore with Season of the Drifter just happened. But then in um, September... Is going to be the the last or like the Taken King. Yeah, and what's it called? Um, Season of Opulence. Yeah, Opulence. Which is the new raid, which people are See, theorizing takes place. That's something I was looking at. So right now... Are there just the raid, the two raid instances, and then the, the new raid from uh, There's Leviathan, Forsaken? there's Spire of Stars. Which uh, is the raid instance. Which is the raid instance, yeah. There's another uh, raid instance. There's uh, there's three raids. Well, do, are the raid instances considered raids? No. I didn't think so. No, they're, right? like, they're, they're essentially like raid nightfalls. I mean, I mean, some people do, I guess, but like... Because they are hard. They are six-man activities that require... They're just short. But they're shorter. short. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're about like a normal number. Uh, yeah. But y- you're forgetting uh, Scourge of the Past. Well, that's the one from Forsaken, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. The one from Forsaken is... Um, um, oh, my gosh. Last Wish. Oh, you're right. Scourge of the Past is a new one. Yeah, you're right. And Which, I've done Last Wish. I forgot about that. Yeah, you. Yeah, me, you, Cody, and, and I think Joe, we all did. So uh, that's the one I the, haven't done, though. That yeah. was the one that came with the start of this season. Yes. Or the, uh, Scourge of the Past is also short compared to the other ones, too. It's almost, it's a little bit longer than the um, raid, raid layers. Yeah. Wow, weird. Okay. Well, I was just curious because I feel like at, by the time that, even by the time that Iron, um, or Lord, what was Season called? of Opulence. No, not, not uh, I'm talking about Destiny 1, the Technique. Rise of Iron. Oh, Rise uh, of Iron. Even by the time that Rise of Iron hit, I felt like Destiny 1 had like five raids. Hmm. It had... Um, it had the Vault of Glass. There's three. Knights, uh, Knights Fall, or whatever it was called. King's Fall. King's that's, Fall, that's sorry. King. Yep. Uh, then it had the... What's it called? Actually, you know what? I think... Crota's End. Yeah, Crota's End. I think I'm actually confusing some of the strikes they had. Probably so. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, there's, there's only three raids. Yeah, because there's a Shield Brothers, which is a strike. We're about to get the fourth raid, Destiny 2. The yeah. Shield Brothers, that's one of the best strikes they've ever had. Yeah, that, that strike is awesome. They need to bring back strikes from Destiny 1. Yeah. Like, man, there are some good strikes in Destiny 1. Like I've been saying, it leads to the point where now Destiny technically can come out as Destiny. We well, you know that ain't going to happen. It's so. not going to happen. I really don't think so. But I'm, I'm willing to be surprised. So surprise me, Bungie. You're not under the whim of Activision they anymore. They just nerfed a lot of things, too. So, <laughs> Yeah, I heard. We'll see. I'll play again with y'all tonight if you plan on playing tonight. Uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit later than normal. You, I Actually, I might not even watch the last episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay. Well, so. either way, if you get on, text me if I'm not already on. Because I, I might get on to do... But it's really boring playing Gambit Prime by yourself. 
Like, it's okay for a match. And then I'm kind of like, I don't want to do that by myself again. Because my team was stupid. <laughs> See, I, I played Gambit today, like, two rounds by myself. Only one. And I was having fun. I'm just trying, at this point, grinding stuff out to get... I got you. To get titles and... Well, now that I don't have Rage pinnacles. 2 to, con- to contend with, I can kind of do whatever. I'm probably going to trade Rage 2 towards uh, Plague Tale. And then what will happen there is I can play Plague Tale, which is nothing at all like Destiny. So I won't have to worry about... I've been playing Rage Fatigue. 2 and then going into Destiny and been super confused because all the buttons are different. Yeah. And, and they play incredibly I'll, different. I'm going to warn you, if you play tonight, we're probably going to play a lot of Gambit. That's fine. Okay. I'm Since I need to do Gambit Prime, I'm okay with that. So Yeah, we'll do that. Um, I'm going to get them stretched real quick while we go into community. All right, cool. I will move over to the news. And the first news piece that we will do, and it'd help if I had this stuff up, but the first news piece is in regards to uh, Ubisoft's Skull and Bones. So let me go find that. There we are. Uh, So Ubisoft's take on a pirating game, Skull and Bones, has been revealed to have been delayed again. Due to this, the game will not be at Ubisoft's E3 presser this year, showing, uh, and it is currently set for a release period, quote, after 2019 slash 2020, end quote. Now, just to be fair to that, they were talking in regards to fiscal years, so that means the game would not release... The thing about that is if you're talking about 2020 fiscal year, that technically means all the way through until 2021 because 2020's fiscal year ends in uh, April, April right? or March technically is the last month of it. Of, But I don't know if that's it. But what this leads to is it essentially means there's no release window. Um, and so my wording is very specific. And I, you know, me and Saul were talking about it right before I posted it. And Saul was kind of like, well, I guess it's not indefinitely, but in a sense it is. We don't even have a, a date anymore. So last time that they delayed it, they said, well, we're going to delay it into fiscal year 2019-2020, right? And our 2018 to 2019 is what it was. And they said, okay, so it was originally supposed to release in 18. Well, now it's going to release 2019 area, essentially. Now they're saying after, so it's not even having a date. Now there's two things that could be involved with this. I think this could easily be them trying to not pro- overpromise so that they don't have to actually delay again. If for some reason they feel like there needs to be a slightly longer delay, they don't have to say, oh, we're delaying. They can just say, oh, we never put a release date on it anyway. The second thing could be the game's kind of in trouble. And the thing about it is, despite the fact that when this happened, the official Twitter shared a video that showed some stuff about the game and then said that Ubisoft is as committed to the game as ever, but... In my experience here, it's best to keep your expectations low so that A, if the game never resurfaces, you're fine. B, if it resurfaces and it does a little more along the lines of like what The Last Guardian did, then you can know, okay, now it's resurfacing and we're going to be able to have a little bit more hope behind it. But there's also, it, this reminds me of Final Fantasy thirteen versus going being announced, going away for long periods of time, not being shown again, saying it's going to come out, not happening, getting pushed back. And then just constantly doing these things. So now speaking of Final Fantasy thirteen verses, that was actually the answer to one of our reader mail or not reader mail, uh community state questions on Twitter. Exactly. So what we decided to go with for it, we said with Ubisoft Skull and Bones delayed indefinitely, what are some other games that were delayed that you were really looking forward to before the news? Did it affect your hype for the game? I did expect a couple of people to put games that ended up getting canceled or essentially moved over into new games, which is essentially what Final Fantasy fifteen is. It right. is not thirteen versus. It nope. is not. It's not even like there's so many things they change. Essentially the the only real connection between thirteen versus and fifteen is the name of the characters and the character designs themselves. That's about it. Right. 
So um, if you want to go ahead and hit the Twitter ones that we got. Sure. Well, Kiki said on Twitter, uh, he said Final Fantasy thir- uh, versus 13, uh, which then went on to be Final Fantasy 15. And then he said he got hyped after a release date event. When it got delayed, I got over it and went into the game with a whatever attitude. Was disappointed after rolling credits. Iggy was the only one who mattered. Iggy. I did, at least she made it to credits, Kiki. I did too. I made it to platinum. The game is not awful, but the biggest thing that it affects is the story is this and. Honestly, the, the platinum grind wasn't that bad because I played the game essentially like Kingdom Hearts. Yes, you could hold the button and just attack endlessly, but I never did that. I would just tap it every time I wanted to attack, and it made it feel like a real action RPG instead of hold the button and we'll attack endlessly for you until you switch to the O button that you hold and we'll block endlessly for you. And hit triangle a couple of times to teleport across the map. Yeah, across exactly. The play area. So I played it very similar to Kingdom Hearts 3, just with a little less actual variance to the way that you can play it. But it was right. okay. Um, so, you know, there's some people that are saying, like, you know, is 15 just going to be, uh, or is 7 Remake going to be a reskin of 15? And there's two reasons that's not possible. First of all, different engine completely. So it's not going to, it can't just be a reskin. But the secondary thing I think is that realistically speaking, even if they really did that, the gameplay was not as much of the problem in 15. As And if you just take the idea of the gameplay in 15 and then actually make it to where every time you want to attack, you don't hold a button, you hit it, and then you go through. And of course the game will represent the fact that you've got to pull, um, oh Lord, how am I forgetting the crap and, um, limit no the materia uh you've got to pull material in and how and how you're going to use that so when you're doing that it introduces an extra level that's going to have to happen so i think essentially even if it ends up being close to 15 if it solves 15's problems which it's going to by nature 15's weak story that didn't make sense at least at launch um and then you go into seven seven story is cohesive they're trying to stick with it and if anything expand a little bit so it won't really be a hard way to pull that off they've got a groundwork and if they can make a not empty world that's massive for no reason other than just being massive because this is your first time making it a real open world game then yeah i think it'll be fine um but yeah that's a good one kiki and i agree with you there um that looks like all we had on Twitter, right? Yeah. Atlas Unchained says my the, the answer for me, too, which ultimately ended up getting uh, canceled. Which one was that? Scalebound. He said it in Discord. Oh, he yeah, said, Scalebound yeah. is going to make me buy an Xbox, so there's that one. <laughs> That's all I can think of, unless you count region delays, um, which technically right now, uh, we're just talking about mainly uh, wide releases or wide games scheduled to be out. and just yeah, got global delayed. releases. But I agree. Scalebound is mine, my answer. is That's because I was super excited for Scalebound. I remember... I got off the phone with you after E3, I think 2014? Yeah. Was when that game came out or so. was shown at E3? Yeah. And we were talking about how good that game actually looks. and then How course, crazy it was for yeah. a Japanese game to be on Xbox. And, it, and apparently it just got canceled. And I hope that at least one day it comes back to some former glory. I'm curious, man, because that was in Phil a rough Spencer time. Make it that was a rough time. Well, rough, <laughs> Phil Spencer's the one that killed it. <laughs> I know. Make it happen, Phil. Um, Give it a Phoenix down or something. That was a rough time for Platinum, though, you know? And it's so funny that they've really turned around. They've really turned Tomata, around. Near and now you have them coming up on um, um, Astral Chain. Astral Chain looks awesome. So. It does. But uh, let's see. Actually, I don't really think. Let's see. Uh, Blake, Mr. Big Scantron, who's a Patreon, just like uh, Kiki is, he says, I don't mind when games are delayed. I'd rather them take the time they need and get it right. Plus, I would much prefer devs not to have to crunch if possible. I agree across the board on those, but I think the, the what gets weird on this is that some games get delayed over and over again because they lack 
any real semblance of being able to pull together. They're a loose idea that whenever they market it, they find a way to make it look cohesive, but behind doors, just like we saw with Anthem. Anthem was marketed as if everything was together and they knew what was going on, and that's why I had a lot of optimism. But we saw when the game came out and then heard from all these reports, the game was just a broken mess of people not knowing exactly what they wanted to do and refusing to look at other things. And that happens a lot. I think that when you look at things like Final Fantasy 13 Versus, that happened because a bunch of developers kept getting pulled off the game and then moved somewhere else and then doing the Final Fantasy 13 thing. 13 had problems in terms of development because of the new engine, so they had to move a lot of team over to that. Then they made that a trilogy. It, it became a big mess. It kept getting pulled around. Kingdom Hearts still had to go, so the director, Tetsuya Nomura, kept being pulled off. And even if during that game, he was having issues directing. It just goes to show it's because the game had no organization. And then I think you look at other games that get indefinitely delayed, and a lot of times it comes from people saying that they they just had no real idea of what they wanted to do. Right. And it's like they had a real loose bit, and they could show you graphics and kind of pull together a little bit of something that sounded like it made sense, but it never actually came together behind the scenes. And my worry here is that this is a game that the entire premise is, what if we took the Assassin's Creed 4 boat, you know, uh, sailing stuff with the pirate aspects of that and the going across the sea, ripped that out, expanded upon it, and then made that its own game. They might be having problems finding, like, well, what's going to be the main draw to the game? What's going to be the main progression system since it doesn't... Like, in a game like Assassin's Creed, it's just an interstitial between the rest of the gameplay. And there's a story that can be awarded because of that, and it's like a nice pace change but when your entire game is that how do you make it compelling right it's just it's hard yeah and it's like if anything i wouldn't be surprised if they end up looking at a game that's already released and sea of thieves and trying to just be like you know if if that's the problem we don't know if that's the problem but it seems weird that ubisoft is still behind it which i mean they typically won't announce any kind of ip that they're just going to drop it because uh, a lot of people hope that the ip will be worth something but I guess that's the fear, right? Is that a lot of the games and they get delayed, the worst case scenario does exist somewhere in the back of your mind of like, is it because the game is just not coming together at all? Or is it because it's coming together so well that they want to expand it in some areas and make it an even bigger release? Which of the two is really true? Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't guess that uh, CFEs would have a whole lot of influence on them because they look like they're the same kind of game, but they're both different in art and design. Yeah. One's uh, trying actually, to be a little more comical and one's trying to be a little more realistic. I'm actually... Um, kind of more excited for um, Skull and Bones than I ever was for Sea of Thieves. Like, that looks like a much better game to me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. The Sea of Thieves is real simple, you know? So I think when you look at that, I guess, you know, a good example of really recent that just is, kind of goes towards my point, uh, not necessarily that the game is completely not having a direction, but how even sometimes delay is not what it seems. The idea that a delaying a game is just going to make it better. I mean, we saw Sony delay Days Gone, um from what was originally kind of talked about as a, they even came out and said February, if I'm not mistaken. And then they said, well, yeah. no, we're going to go to April instead. And they, their reasoning was to give them further time to polish the game. So in every, a lot of people's minds like, Oh, well the game's fine and running really well. And all they're doing is just putting that extra spit shine on it. But then literally people who are playing the review copies of the games have the game crashing on them constantly, the world not loading on them constantly, not even playable until oh, the day one issues. patch that we got, which was 1.03. So, you know, People who were reviewing were playing 1.1 and 1.01, 1.02. That just goes to show how sometimes delays really aren't 
for the best. Sometimes you actually need to get a game out and just off the ground and go, now we just have to fix what's wrong with it because we, we're, we're no longer in the ability to mess with change and change things. Instead, we have what's there and all we can do is just polish what's there, which is what they should have done behind the scenes, but it's okay. Days Gone ended up being a good game, but it's just... These things happen. Let's see. Anything else on here? Liam yeah. says P5R ain't out till October, but that was in relation to P5R and Atlas Chain. Uh, let's see. Josh Ayers says, and he's a new patron, even though his name isn't blue. Josh, if there, if you're having issues with that, uh, let us know, and yeah, we will see I if we can fix that for you. That too. Uh, we might even just go in and go do it ourselves if we need to. I can go ahead and do that real quick. But um, anyway... He says, delayed for him is Code Vein. Always looked pretty cool, but with a network test coming up, it seems it's getting close to having a date. But more games are canceled than delayed as I look forward to, like, Scalebound, Gotham by Gaslight and such. And I get what he means. I mean, in these situations, it's essentially... It's unfortunate that Day's Gone. I mean, day, Day's Gone. <laughs> Code Vein got uh, delayed, but thankfully it looks like it's coming back around and it may have actually been for the better. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for it, even though I didn't get into the beta. I haven't seen an email yet, but it's still... And I, actually, I'll go into that with the news next, since we're kind of at the end of this. Um, but, you know, I think when you're looking at that, the next news piece I'll cover is that, because I think it's uh, an interesting way to go about that. But uh, the Code Vein closed network test finally has a date, which we didn't know last time, with the publisher announcing that the test begins on May 30th at 8 p.m. PDT and ends on June 3rd at 12 a.m. PDT. The invite to register, though, is still alive. You know, you can still go ahead and register uh, to be part of it as of the time that we're recording. So you might be able to still get in. I haven't gotten a confirmation email yet either. I may not get one. I don't know. But I am interested in the game. I think it looks really good. So I'm with you, Josh. Unfortunate they got it delayed, but I'm hoping it's to make it a better game, just like Blake said. You know, in those situations, it's good to be hopeful sometimes. But... Moving on into the rest of these things, next thing I want to talk about is Until Dawn's developer, Supermassive Games, has teased an announcement or a reveal, one of the two, for their upcoming episodic release, Man of Medan. On Twitter, they shared a post with a short clip that had some little interstitials from the game that ends up with, uh, at the very end, saying, quote, something's coming. And it looks like, from what they say, look for an update come Tuesday. That was in relation to that tweet. So uh, if you've been looking forward to that like I have, I think they're a great developer and I like those types of games then uh, be looking out for that. We'll probably cover whatever it is next week, uh, but you can also see it very quickly if you want to go check out their Twitter on Tuesday. Um, let's see. Next thing up, Long in Development Hell sequel. This is another example of what we're talking about with delays. Lords of the Fallen 2 has apparently hit troubles again with the announcement that the developer Defiant Studios that was announced to be taking over the game uh, last summer, I think it was June, um, they're no longer working on the game due to what CI Games, that's the Polish company that owns it, uh, claims as poor quality. They were outsourcing the game. CI Games has announced that they plan to finish the game in-house with outsourcing help where needed. So don't expect the game anytime soon. And they did not give any kind of a date. What's interesting about this, Saul, do you remember, you played Lords of the Fallen just like I did. The team that supported CI Games in making that game, and they both co-worked together, was the team behind The Search. Right. Which was, I don't know why I can't remember their name actually right now. Um, it's killing me, but oh well. Uh, so that was a team behind that. And then when they moved into the next game, it's like they split off, they went and did the Surge, and then we got Lords of the, Lords of the Fallen 2. But literally both of those games are announced very similar times, and one of them's already out and a sequel's coming, whereas Lords of the Fallen 2 is just still 
in the either, which sucks. I think of the two games, Lord of the Fallen is definitely more in my style. Uh, I like that uh, high fantasy and kind of dark fantasy, actually, a little bit more than I liked sci-fi. Yeah, much um, akin to Dark Souls in terms of the, exactly. yeah, and, the and, levels and everything, mm-hmm. the setting. Uh, so anyway, next up, though, we talked about Days Gone earlier. So they're... Even though it launched with some user issues, uh, some people experiencing big performance issues like I did here and there, uh, and sometimes major bugs like I did with the, every piece of land disappearing besides the road. I have some good screenshots because of that, though. Uh, the developer has been quick to update these in an attempt to clear this up, and with the release of 1.07 weeks ago, the game was in a mostly stable state with a few remaining issues for some users. Update 1.08, though, went live uh, this past week after a few weeks stewing and brings it with it a number of fixes that hopefully tighten up the experience for those still having issues. So one common issue that this addresses, and I had this issue too, uh, is the audio desyncing from lips during cinematics. If the game was left running, I only had this problem if I would put the system in rest mode with not closing the game. And that's how, because I play games kind of one at a time, I would play the game for two or three days with, with it being in rest mode. And eventually a cutscene would hit and the audio would be completely desynced. And all I have to do is just, close the game memory and restart leak. it memory leak. And this yeah. is really similar to what happened with bloodborne uh, early on. I don't know if anybody remembers this. There were people that were getting past bloodborne bosses by just leaving their system in rest mode for long periods of time uh, with the game running. And when they come back in, the move sets for bosses would be all over the place because they just, the memory leaked out so much that things were just not syncing up. So you could beat people like a hard, initial boss that a lot of people had problems with was father Gaswan and people were using it to get past him just like a breeze. Right. So it's crazy, but that's just one of those things that happen. They fix that. At least they say they have. So hopefully if you've been having that issue, you won't have to close the game and reopen it anymore. Other fixes include improvements to streaming and performance, meaning that pop in textures, slight freezes that would happen when you were kind of going between areas where your bike would kind of just stop for a second and you'd hear like your bike going and it would stay for like two seconds right there. And then it'd start going again. That should be gone. Good. Rocky frame rate should be gone, which Good. was only during being on the bike. I never had a frame rate issue one out of that game Makes off the bike. Makes sense for a game like that because you're traveling at a high rate of speed with lots of enemies and on it got, screen. It got worse the higher I upgraded my engine. Yeah, that's yeah. what uh, Blake was saying as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's there. If you haven't picked up the game yet and you have any kind of a, that was your waiting point, I think now might be a good spot to do it, but you could also wait and see what more people are saying. Most of what I've seen people say post it is that a post release of this patch is that it's doing a lot better. So might be the time to get it. Uh, next up though, Red Dead Redemption two, which launched with HDR problems. That was not actually true HDR and often served to hamper the look of the game to where it looked soft or weird or miscolored. Now, months after launch, Rockstar has finally fixed this in a recent patch, giving the game true HDR support for those with TVs that support this feature. This comes alongside their update that moved the online feature of the game, Red Dead Redemption Online, out of beta and now into full release uh, with a big patch that affects that too. So if you have any kind of questions or any looking at the uh if you were waiting to jump into red dead until after beta uh you look like this is the time to do it next up 4a games have revealed that content that will make up that the metro exodus expansion pass with two major story driven dlc that see you play as a new character and also one of aurora's spartan rangers the only american one on the whole ship which is sam uh the first of these which is called the two colonels is set for summer 2019 and takes place under the city of novus which is in the game it's the dead city as they call it uh which is kind of cool 
The second is Sam's story, and it's set for early 2020. The season pass is available for pre-order now and costs $24.99. I prefer this way of doing things. They said that they had plans to do some post-content support, but they never talked about it beforehand. You couldn't get the season pass early on before the game came out or anything. This is kind of like what Saw has constantly talked about, where he wishes that games would just happen, release, let the game happen, then start moving your developers on to extra content and re- announce the season pass later. later on. Yeah, yeah. don't make it look like it's something that, you in- that you've already started making that could have been in the game. And the- I think the biggest reason for that is optics, right? It doesn't even matter if this really is content that you always intended to be outside of the game. By talking about it and selling the season pass day one, the optics start making it look like this is content that you could have included in the game but just didn't because there's money behind it. Yeah. Even if that wasn't the way that you originally approached it. And it's different for every um, developer, too. You could see some of them more um, honest or suspected more honest than others. I think the other thing is depending on games, right? I think a game like Metro Exodus, you don't need to talk about Season Pass Day 1. A game like Destiny where people are like the whole living and breathing of this game is that it's a service-based game that we're going to get more content, then yeah, go ahead and talk about the season pass and what your plans are and go ahead and sell the season pass so that I can know from day one that I'm going to, which, you know, that's just one of those things. The other thing is, is that we've talked about the real reason that a lot of companies do that. I don't even think is to necessarily lie to users or act like that's the thing. I really think it's in an attempt to make day one sales higher because you can include the sales of the season pass alongside it so you can say the game sold the exact same amount of copies but because we sold a season pass too that half the people who bought the game bought uh then we've made this much more revenue on day one yeah which is it depending like i said on developer yeah sure uh next up psvr's exclusive first person shooter firewall zero hour is getting a huge update in the way of operation nightfall the update adds a new map for free called hangar that features an aircraft and a hangar that can be traversed throughout your hunt for your opponents. Alongside this is a new contractor named Ruby, uh, who has an exclusive skill that lets her steal crypto, which is one of the game's currencies, from dead bodies, which is kind of interesting. And I guarantee you there's a little bit of a risk reward to that because you have to you know, make yourself susceptible to attack to get this. But cool way to do it. Another map is being added. Uh, and contractor... Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, Another map and Contractor are set to be added to the game down the road as a mid-season update as well, but to cap off the additions, it launches a new mission system that gives you extra goals to work towards while playing, and that unlock rewards like new weapons. A new mission will be added each week with extra missions and seasonal cosmetics that can be bought with an OP pass. Uh, finally, a new daily task system will be in place that gives you extra points in crypto for completing these tasks, and alongside these changes... Uh, they've revamped the UI to accommodate the info you'll need to see in relation to these. Uh, I love this because this goes back to what I've said since the game launched. The game already is clearly inspired by Rainbow Six. This is getting updates like Rainbow Six. It's going as far as I don't even care that they're calling it an operation. Operation Nightfall? Fine. I don't right. care. This is a very different game just by nature of being VR. It's weird that it's also a term for Destiny. Yeah. Uh, they are doing what well, I guess at this point too. It's also a term from um, Division Two. Division Two has something called Nightfalls. 
operation. So. Oh, okay. But it's funny how they're all kind of coming in, right? Uh, but anyway, I think that's cool because this is listening to fan feedback, which is exactly what got Rainbow Six Siege to turn around. Now, Firewall was actually pretty well received early on, and Rainbow Six was kind of just am, but got turned around, thankfully, due to listening to consumers, uh, which was a great move for them, and that looks like what they're doing here. My hope along the way for this was to let this game be the first big game, come in, steal the show as the first game of this type on the PSVR, expand it to where it starts to feel more like a game that acts as a seasonal that you'd want to hop back in gets people on their psvr more which i think is important it gets people talking about the game more which is important constantly coming back to the game which is important and it lets this game be a big champion for vr and what vr can do and it goes to show that vr games also don't have to just release and then stay as they are you can update them a lot which I love. So that's really nice to see. Uh, going back to Ubisoft, though, their recent financial reports saw them talking about this fiscal year and plans to release three unannounced AAA titles in the fourth quarter. Now, to put that in perspective, that's the time between January 1st and March 31st. They have three games that no one knows about yet. We might see them at E3. That's I what I'm hoping so. for. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm hoping to see. So this is completely separate from the October release of Ghost Recon uh, Breakpoint or whatever it was called. Uh, so think about that. The biggest thing about this that gets weird to me is this seems like self-cannibalization a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot. It's three games from a, one major publisher. Now, one thing that was brought up when I... Because that was my initial thing. And then when I shared it in the Discord as my initial reaction, somebody brought up a good point. One of those could easily be Just Dance. It's a huge franchise for them. They well, make a lot of money off too, of it. Right? Tri- trials considered AAA? No, I don't you think don't so. You don't think so? I don't think... It, it never sells for AAA price, for sure. That well, game yeah, sells at like $30, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm just saying, and it's a digital. And- and actually, is it a digital-only release? That's a good question. I don't remember. I don't know either, yeah. Um, so it, it could be. I don't know. But I think if you look at it... For Honor If too. you look at it this way, there could be something from the For Honor team, which could be a weapon-based melee. There could be one of them being a shooting-based game, be it Splinter Cell. <laughs> Excuse Bless me. You. Which could be Splinter Cell or anything like that. Uh, unlikely to be another uh, anything different. I mean, realistically, I, I doubt this is new IP, but it could be. Uh, and then the other one being, you know, if you think about those three games, Just Dance, a combat weapon-based, like, you know, physical weapon-based, like Swords and Shields-based game, uh, and then a, another game that's somehow shooting and gun-based, they don't overlap so much. Now, of course, you get the fact that they overlap for people that are just big Ubisoft fans, but I think the biggest Ubisoft fans are probably going to buy all three anyway. So it works out for them, and I'm curious to see what they are. Like we said, hopefully we'll see that at E3. Uh, the Division 2, though, while we're talking about Ubisoft, got a major update with patch 1.07, adding the first player eight-player raid to the game called Operation Dark Hours. Added classified assignments for owners of the Year 1 Pass and a new apparel event that introduces new outfits, masks, emotes, and weapon skins. All of this is on top of changes to the commendation system, crafting systems, as well as reworking gear values and improvements to the loot system and more. Uh, Pretty much all the things that people were wanting to see from Anthem that hasn't happened yet. but that's just a shame. Next up, though, and this one's pretty awesome, game that me and Saul both loved, and it was our game of the year for 2017, uh, Near Automata passes 4 million units sold, and we learn in Square Enix's financial results, this is where this was talked about, Square claims that they plan to invest aggressively in new IP to enrich its portfolio, which to me is surprising after Left Alive, which was their new mech-based game that was part of the Front Mission series, or kind of like a spin-off of the Front Mission series. That game 
really seemed to flop, but they've still been supporting it, so good on them. Maybe they're hoping it'll kind of turn around. But I think that Nier Automata's sales as a sequel to a niche IP, a super small game uh, that did not sell very well, did not review very well, is probably what's steering them in this direction. It's impressive. It really is. And the biggest thing is, like, we already talked about, right? Uh, I think it was, was it Reader Mail or was it last episode that we were talking about? We hope that Square, this E3, has some new IP because right now, we know the Final Fantasy VII is going to be there. And it was probably last episode. Speaking of last episode, we're sorry, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Audio problems happened, and uh, there's nothing we can do to fix it, and that's just a poor. Thankfully, the majority of the episode's fine, so we chose to leave it up. Yeah. Just to let, if you wanted to listen to the 56 minutes that didn't have the issues, you got that. Uh, we're sorry that the main topic kind of got cut out. Nothing we can do about it, but we're just going to have to keep trucking on. We know what the issue is, and we should have it to where it's not going to give us issues anymore. We've learned by looking heavily into it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, so fingers we, crossed. We have so much going on at play when we do these. There's Mike, Mike Cables, our mix amp, or not mix amp, um, mixer box, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, then you got the computer. You got all the USB, all the HDMI cables and stuff we have to yeah, use. OBS as a program OBS in general. OBS as a program in general on top of Windows. So like yeah. so many things can go wrong and when they do it's really really hard to narrow down what the issue is. Yep, properly so, so we can get it fixed. But we, we think we got it. But yeah, anyway, we think it's d- good. We talked about that and I think that we both agree that at this point Final Fantasy's come back. We know that Final Fantasy is going to be there. They we've it's been too recent that Dragon Quest has hit. There's other old IP they could definitely tap back into, but I doubt I see them tapping back into. I don't think we see a new um um God, what's the name of that series? Why am I skipping? What kind of what was it play like? Uh, come on now. Chrono. Game. Chrono Trigger, yeah. Chrono Cross. We won't see a new Chrono game, I doubt. I hope. Um, I, I, I hope so, too, to actually be fair. And I, there's, a, there's a ton of things. We talked Boy. about um, Parasite Eve could come back. There's a ton of new things that could come out. But I also think that we, what we talked about, and I know it got cut off, I'm about 90% sure, was specifically how uh, with Detroit Become Human, um, Quantic Dream did their situation to where it was started as just a little tech demo called Kara. And then people liked that so much and gave so much feedback that once they were done with beyond, they decided to go ahead and say, you know what? People like that. Let's see, let's explore turning this into a full game. And there's a lot of cool tech demos that they've done, like Agnes philosophy. And I can't remember what it was called, but it was one that they did last year, which had like some mannequin looking robot things and a crazy looking world. Uh, and look cool. I mean, to me, I just think, why not look and dive into these and say, what can we come out with the, with these? You know, what could happen with this? What gameplay ideas could come from what we showed? You know, how can we turn that into cool mechanics? What story could we set up with some of these characters? I think it's cool to see that, but the bigger reason I hope that is because, you know, this year I hope is when we actually get a release date at some point for Lost Soul Aside, which is essentially like Devil May Cry and Final Fantasy kind of just slapped together. Maybe, and maybe even saying near Automata because it's very fast action-based combat alongside very, Final Fantasy looking character models, world, and the way that they're approaching the story looks. Smooth. I would even be cool if they did the uh, the meme that everybody said about Skyrim is like, there's not going to be an Elder Scrolls Five. Or, or, yeah, Elder Scrolls Five. I don't know. I thought we were on six already. Are we? We on are. Six? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Elder Scrolls five five Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, I guess because the way I was talking about Skyrim is it threw me off. But yeah, there's not going to be Elder Scrolls Six. It's just going to be Elder Scrolls Skyrim Two, because everybody was obsessed with Skyrim. And I would uh, I wouldn't mind if there was a near uh near automata two automata two instead of a, a trilogy. 
Well, and the thing is, Nier Automata and the original Nier are so broken up apart from each other that it's, it it's not a trilogy anyway. Yeah. It's just three games in the same series at that point. Right. Um, like they it's technically like, take um, place in the same world, and there's some there's some crossover and some cool Easter eggs. But I don't t- technically, uh, what is that other series called? Dragon Garden. Dragon Garden included in this in the same. Yeah, it's all world. weird because Dragon Guard one, two, and three are not direct sequels to each other. They just exist in the same universe. Near is a spinoff of the Dragon Guard one ending that happens based off of like a time. Well, if this was true, then this happens, and this is this story, and that's what Near Automata goes down uh, is still in that timeline, but way away and separate from everything else. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's like they could they could do it. They could make a sequel to Automata and include the same characters. Could. Right. Or they could go, well, everybody liked Nier, so we're just going to either remake the original Nier, or we're going to go with a new Nier. I mean, it's possible, and I'm actually curious. I really want to see new Nier at E3 remake this year. But I don't care if it's new or a remake of the original with Platinum behind it. We'll see. Uh, you know what? Who is the, uh, who's the publisher behind? Because Platinum said they're moving to publishing their own games, but is that true for Astral Chain? Uh, I don't know, actually. And does that mean that Platinum wouldn't want to work on a, a sequel to Automata? That's the bigger thing. Yeah, that's a good question. Let's see. Oh, it's just Nintendo. Okay. That's why it's exclusive. That makes more sense. Yeah. Man, that game looks so good. It does look so good. I want to make sure that I'm not confusing. So, Platinum Games has self-published two healthy size games. So, yeah, they are moving towards self-publishing its games so they can make sequels whenever it decides it wants to. I don't think that that necessarily means they would not go back to a game they really enjoyed working on. The whole reason they even made Automata and the whole reason that that happened is that Caveat, the original Nier developer, shut down, didn't exist anymore. They were huge fans of the original Nier game and wanted to work on it. So they got together with the original Nier director, Yoko Taro, and came through and then kind of just mixed with them cool thing i think considering how much they enjoyed near and how well near Automata has done and how well it's done in bringing them back to a point of people trusting their work again because platinum were in kind of a weird slouch for a little bit i don't think it's impossible that they'd work on another near game for square i would hope so we'll see we'll see what if they came out with a near nintendo exclusive how weird would that be that would be very weird surprised we haven't seen uh automata on switch yet yeah, I don't know, man. With that game, with one of the big cruxes of that game being running at 60 frames per second. Yeah, I guess that should be hard. I don't know how they would pull that off on Switch necessarily without a lot of reworking. Yeah. So at that point, it would be the porting would be a little bit weird. Uh, and it may be that the game takes such a visual hit to be able to hit that 60 frames per second that they just don't want to do it. Ah, who knows? We'll see. Maybe the next year will come out on all three. Maybe we'll see some at E3. Honestly, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if the next Nier is, is not... I'd be surprised if it was an exclusive for one console like Nier Automata was to begin with. It console, was a PS4 yeah. console exclusive. Um, it would be really weird to see them do that again. Considering the game is sold so well at this point, even though I'm sure the majority of the sales are still on PS4, uh, I would not be surprised to see the next Nier be a multi-platform release from the get-go. So, you know. Excuse me. We'll see what happens there. The last thing, though, we'll talk about, and then we'll move into the main topic, is Kotaku report that Activision has pulled Sledgehammer Games, the developer behind Call of Duty Advanced Warfare and World War II, 
off of 2020's Call of Duty that would have been their turn in the three-year developer rotation that they started back in 2012. Uh, that allowed each team roughly three years development time as opposed to the two-year cycle that happened during the PS360 gen when it was just Treyarch and Infinity Ward. Uh, so instead, they have moved the existing work done by the team over to Treyarch for it to become Black Ops 5 already. To me, this is crazy for it two is. reasons. Activision recently said that Black Ops 4 underperformed to expectations. Even though it did really well at the beginning, they said that it did not keep a long tail and keep a long revenue stream like they typically have. It slowed down really badly. Right. So much so that there are reports that are saying that Modern Warfare 4, which a lot of people are saying is all but confirmed to be this year's Call of Duty, is probably going to have a free-to-play element to it. But there's, again, one of the reports I saw said that a lot of Activision's against that idea, but they're at least thinking about it for once. Well, I just didn't realize something about that. Completely forgetting that's a game, but anyways. <laughs> but more importantly, I think that this also is weird because what's going to happen is it it pretty much guarantees that Black Ops Five will be another game without a story, which we don't know. I don't know how much that really affected Black Ops Four, their long tail. I mean, it would make sense that if people wanted to buy it for the story, I don't. I really think they that weren't going to get a small fraction of people. I, I think don't, that's I don't, an extra bonus for well, people who want to experience the story. I don't know, man. The reason I say that is that a lot of people would at least play the story. What, the, what a lot of the stuff talked about is a lot of people would play the story, get very far in the story, or beat it, but then they wouldn't replay the story a lot. But they would go and play the multiplayer. But I think by cutting the story, the story out, it creates that problem where a lot of people don't want to justify paying $60 for just a multiplayer game. And that means for the people that do like the stories and don't want to pay $60 for a multiplayer-only game, just it never ended up buying it. You know what I mean? I'm curious if we could look at the percentage of people who earned the completion trophy. For, for Black that. Ops 3? Yeah. And yeah. see if that could kind of give us a... Uh, An idea. Yeah, complete yeah. campaign. Well, no, hold on. And that'll never be completely perfect because people like Corey, back when he didn't have internet, their trophies would never sink. So that might be part of it, too, is the people who buy Call of Duty with no intent on playing the online. Bobby that I work with that I've talked to you about before is like that. He does not play Call of Duty games online at all. He buys every single one of them just for the story. And he bought Black Ops 4 on accident because nobody told him it didn't have a story. And that was unfortunate. Um, but I also just think that that's going to be one of those things where it'll probably be a repeat Black Ops 4 across the board because you got to think about it. at this point, who knows how much they had done, but if you're retooling it all to be a Black Ops 5, that means a lot of the work that was already done is going to be unusable, and that means that the game is going to have a roughly 18-month development cycle, which is really short, and I don't think gives them enough period to do much that will differentiate it from Black Ops 4. So, who knows? But Like, yeah, I don't, I'll find a percentage on here. Maybe then this is this is also related to the three difficulties, not including easy. Wasn't Black Ops Three also released on the three six oh, three sixty and PS Three with multiplayer only for forty for sixty dollars? I, I don't think so. Or was I'm, it fifty dollars? I'm pretty sure it was. This is crazy. I've never heard of that. But here, look at my taskbar real quick, so I don't have to announce that, and I'm gonna be right back. <laughs> okay. Yes, Call of Duty Call of Duty Black Ops Three was on PS Three and three sixty. Wow. Yeah. There you go. The more you know. Uh, okay, moving into the main topic. I'm sure a lot of you had seen. Uh, Saul takes a lot of stretch breaks and uh, other breaks, too. But you know what? That's okay. Um, he had it up on his computer, but that's fine. I will pull it up. This is in relation to the partnership that happened between Sony and Microsoft that was announced this week. Uh, and specifically for video games in the cloud. So what this kind of comes down to for a lot of people 
was a surprise that Sony and Microsoft would come together. But it looks like this kind of comes through the idea of how can you compete with people who are coming in like Stadia when you already have Sony, a company that has PS Now and servers and has cloud gaming. And technically, we're one of the first people to do it, if not the first real company to do it at scale with PS Now, uh, even if it wasn't amazing in the earliest days. Then you have Microsoft coming with their Project X Cloud, which is going to be hitting beta or full release. One of the two this year, I can't remember. Um, And then you have Google Stadia coming later this year. So when you look at that and you have both these companies going and they have their own ideas behind this and their own abilities and own tech they've built behind it and support they've done behind it, I think this gets pretty interesting because it makes sense that this is not Microsoft coming together and saying... What I've seen a couple people say where this is like the beginning of Microsoft essentially hitting a point where what they're doing is preparing to put Games Pass on PS4 and then put PS Now on to Xbox consoles. I do not think that's what's going to happen at all. I think that what's happening here instead is that Sony and Microsoft are to an extent putting their differences beside each other so that Sony can tap into Microsoft's Azure Cloud uh, servers have a better cloud backup system uh, or at least be more covered and then be able to expand PS now quicker into other territories of the world because they have this infrastructure support and I think the other side is that Sony has some technology that they've already worked on because they've been doing cloud streaming for this long that they can br- tie in and kind of give some of their information and their existing tech to Microsoft to work together and kind of vibe to make something moving forward that makes PS Now a stronger system that's a little bit quicker maybe, a little bit more serviceable to newer parts of the world, lets them expand quicker. Maybe this helps Microsoft get their Project X Cloud off of the ground even quicker than they otherwise would have. And I think the benefit of that is that they're both essentially sharing technology with each other. Now, you know, that's not necessarily a guaranteed thing. We don't know enough about this. We can kind of go into it. Uh, there's an article that right now we're lo- I just clicked on the verges, uh, but they talked about it. The two companies will explore joint development of future cloud solutions in Microsoft Azure to support their respective game and content streaming services. So that's both companies tapping into Azure like we talked about. Sony's existing game and content streaming services will also be powered by Microsoft Azure in the future. So like I said, we know that much is true. And that's what it seemed like from the get-go. Sony bolstering their things by adding either servers that Microsoft Azure have alongside their Gaikai servers that they uh, you know, uh, acquired back when they acquired Gaikai uh, back in 2012 or whatever it was. That was a, long, that was a um, good while ago. Good while ago. Maybe it was 2011. I think it was 2012. Um, well, you know what? I don't know. It must have been before Vita because they had the Gaikai guy on stage uh, with before, Vita, I'm pretty yeah. sure. When they built that streaming tech. So who knows? Uh, probably 2011 then. But with that said, uh, Sony also, I think, what, what I was getting at is that, you know, what this is, I know some people are saying this is laying the groundwork for Microsoft to move Games Pass onto PS4 soon. And then for Sony to move PS Now as a platform onto Microsoft's consoles. I don't think that that's what's happening here. No, at all. that's that's not what's happening. Basically, they're going to be using Azure's. I mean, we don't know for sure. Well, yeah, that that's not the background. As of right now, I don't believe that's what happened. What's happening? What I do think is happening is that they're going to be using Azure service to mm-hmm. help supplement PS Now because that is a much powerful service compared to PS Now. Yeah, and I brought up that it gives them the ability to expand into new countries way quicker. It does. Yeah, and Microsoft, like, it's just a fact that people. Um, that may not want to like may not want to agree with, but like that is the fact that Microsoft has better infrastructure for this kind of thing due to the nature of the company they are. And yep. 
um, for Sony, you know, Sony showing this kind of um, just probability of working with this company. Is, I guess. Yeah, willingness of this company is just that's good. And that's a step in the, what I believe is the right direction, because it. It, it is not the cross play that we uh, that people want. It's not the cross saves that people want, but it's heading into a direction that could very well lead that. And I do think that what we've said a million times on the show before, and I've said in Discord, is like the childhood dream of having all the systems come and work together, and you're getting the best possible gaming experience. Too many people focus on console wars, and they get caught up, and they won't criticize their favorite company. And I do think it's important to realize, like, it's all it's not about that anymore like and it's not gonna be about that anymore and if you are like a hardcore console war person saying like oh well xbox sucks i'll never do have anything to do with xbox that's not a possibility soon like you that you will probably have something to do with xbox if you own a ps4 in the next well, i mean if you years. own a ps4 and use ps now moving forward in the future you're gonna be using microsoft back end whether you want to or not yeah which that's that's ironic you bring up a good point about the way people do these things and i mean this is technically kind of aside from the the main topic but it kind of they, ties in like yeah. you're talking about you remember when people used to be like Throughout the entire PS360 generation, and I was a little bit, you know, you're a young teenager. You're way more likely to stay glued to one side. And right. you remember me when I was a teenager. You yeah. know, I was a huge PlayStation fanboy. And, but it, you know also that as much as I would kind of like, ah, Xbox isn't as good, it's not that I wouldn't touch an Xbox. You'd have re- you, you, would, you would have reasonable expectations when it comes to this kind of conversation. Like sure. if you went to a conversation with Brett about Xbox, you knew like – Tread carefully. <laughs> I was yeah, I was a little more harsh on them and would and would say a lot quicker than I do now. Like you know, well, PlayStation's just way better. Xbox sucks. These things are never going to happen on Xbox. But I also wouldn't just completely go. They just go show you how you can grow as a person. But yeah, I also was never to the point of I won't touch an Xbox because it's trash. In my mind, the mindset was just that it's a second place contender. And we're not the kind of people either that really want to be. Uh, I know that there are people who listen to our show and stuff that say like, "Oh, they're X bots and stuff like that," and it's just like, "Oh yeah, the people who put the I'm not on both of, sides, not the, a fan the of those people." Yeah, Sony ponies and Xbox, Sony ponies yeah. and Xbox, well, like either or. Like, if you degrade yourself to name calling because somebody has a different preference than you, like, you're just lame. <laughs> you're just a lame person. Yeah, and um, that goes for like that goes for. Specifically, like aligning yourself with the company, because I actually saw a um, somebody on Twitter, and I don't remember who said it. It was the day of or the day after this had all come out, and somebody literally commented on theirs, and they were basically just giving their opinion on this, and like they're they're excited. Uh, yeah, was a synopsis of their tweet, and somebody said like um, they were a PlayStation fan, and they said that I will. Uh, literally stop playing video games if they ever merge into one company it's like first of all you're not even thinking and like that's not even the point of the article they're not ever going to become the same company second of all like how immature do you have to be like why would you give up your hobby just because you you, you have to affiliate with a company you don't like because like, you disagree yeah yeah i mean i get it there are there are companies and like i understand like being against nestle water is one thing because it's like slave labor and stuff but yeah. then when you go against the video game but what company, are your reasonings yeah yeah because like you, just you because like you don't like them more? as much. Yeah, or you like Xbox more or Nintendo more. The ironic part about it, too, speaking of Nintendo, they, they are, they're coming in strides with having this kind of service and, and partnership with Microsoft. And I actually, I, I am one of the people that do hope we see something of that level on PlayStation soon. And I do hope, uh, kind of going back to the childhood dream I was talking about, is that what we've always wanted. And that's where they're all working together and 
essentially Microsoft has proved themselves to be a better service than a console manufacturer. So then they would be a service to have on your PS5 and your Nintendo Switch and your gaming PC and even your your Xbox because people still prefer the UI and the game and the or the game controller and everything else. So they're still going to be making Xboxes and stuff. Um, but I do see them becoming more and more of a service and a really good service at that to have. And what I'm really curious about is in the next five years, where will we be uh, with probably the PS5 Pro or the next iteration of PS5 coming out? Do you think we're going to get a Pro? I do, yeah. Okay. I'm just curious. Technology is moving so fast that I don't think – I think that console, mid-console implementations are always going to have to happen at this point. And if if they don't, it's going to be the next console. But that actually is a good – uh, a good thing, kind of, because PS5 is backwards compatible with PS4. So they've already started building this foundation that PS6 could come out five years from now and be backwards compatible, and you're not really missing out on a whole lot if you don't get it. True. Um, Instead of like what we've had with these really elongated uh, and, and console now, cycles, this that's... one's not really as elongated. Even if the, the console ends up coming out in 2020, well, actually, if Eight it comes years. out in 2020, that's seven years. For seven years, yeah, um, 2013. Essentially, but when you think about it, and and it was late 2013, so it's not truly going to be. Right. It depends on when it comes out in 2020. To be fair, yeah. Uh, but at that point, it still comes to the idea. If it comes out in November 2020, then that was a seven-year console cycle, which is essentially what the PS3 was. It's just that the 360 was an eight-year console cycle, which was even more weird. Because it came out a year in advance, uh, but if you had more to say, I want a year prior. Oh, year in advance. Okay, year in advance of the PS3. Yes. I don't know why I thought like you meant a year advance oh, of the yeah, PS3. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, I but yeah, it's just, and that's one of those things that's uh, that is always fun with this kind of stuff going on is that like you get to theorize what's going to happen, and you get like not your hopes up, but you get ideas in your mind of what you would like to happen versus what we'll see, and I think it opens the floor for good conversation about this. Um, especially from everybody who enjoys games like Xbox and Nintendo and PC. And it's, you know, it's going to come up to a point and there are still going to be people who are going to make fun of people for owning a PS5 versus a Xbox One XX or whatever they're going to call it. Oh, and, yeah. No. Um, fanboyism in any any hobby at all yeah, will always exist. It'll always be there. And it's just one of those things that's it's interesting, too, because... The, the nature of this kind of article and this this news brings fanboys everywhere. Like it, it, you get to see everybody uh, and all their sides come out when they, when this stuff like this happens. And it's it's kind of similar to like Nintendo Switch. It's like you always hear people saying like I've heard more people beg for this game for Switch than you actually see people begging for games. Yeah, where uh, it becomes anecdotal. Yeah, and it's kind of like that in this situation too, where you're going to see more people complaining about. Um, people talking bad about Microsoft and stuff. When in reality, it just revolves around what circle you're in and like who you sure. see because it's different for every person. But I'm I'm one for, to be really excited for this. If this proves to work well and helps their streaming service out and improves it and it makes it near flawless and worth the money, I would invest into it. Yeah. Right now, you know, it's one of those things that's like I'm iffy about anyways especially game streaming. But like I said, in the next five years, it's hard to kind of determine where we're going with this and, and what it will be. One, the bigger thing is that this is, has to be, this is almost like a putting your differences aside to realize that it's for the greater good. While it's unlikely putting your differences aside on something that really, I don't feel like what they're doing right now and where they're collaborating is necessarily going to be a huge 
business crossover for them. I think they realize that for the most part, I think a lot of people are going to stay on true consoles for the time being. Right. But this is the idea of, well, let's just say in the, like you're talking about in the five years from the future, let's say Google Stadia comes out this year and it's a, it works fantastically and people really start moving over to that. Well, if you, if Microsoft and Sony don't both have their streaming services as good as they possibly can have them by benefiting from each other's technology, then all that stands to happen is they might get pushed out of the market completely. So Google Stadia, and this is really interesting. And we actually got a really good reader mail question about Google Stadia and the future having to take on, you know, Xbox and Microsoft now jumping into the game together. um, Is that technically, from the on-stage demo we saw at the Stadia release, we already know that PS Now and and these kind of services run better than that does currently, right? From, from what we saw, I think so. Yeah. And that's, but, but that's also, the biggest thing is that PS Now is also a full-release product where Google Stadia is technically is not. But I also stages, think yeah. that if, it wasn't, if they weren't going to be able to show it at its absolute best, maybe they shouldn't have shown it yet. Yeah, and that's that, that goes for every single thing ever in any industry. Do not show something if you know that it does not already be shown. And they're going to do it regardless because it's going to bring in um, investors and it's going to get people hyped up for the product and it's going to sell pre-orders. But, and unfortunately, so, that's just the way it works. Like you're talking about, the Stadia event was a lot of people hyped off of the words that were given, not necessarily everything that was shown, because what was shown was kind of rocky. It was not, not kind of rocky. It was very rocky. There's some good breakdowns on how bad the input lag was. And, yeah. And, and of course, you know that it. And he, that's why I wanted you to try PS Now that one day because yeah. you get a bigger idea of wow, it's not that bad. Well, and yeah, and it does. There is um, stuff to be said about the fact that they're working off, you know, uh, internet infrastructure at a, con- at a convention center, basically with million or not millions, and hundreds I, of people, thousands yeah, of people connected and I, to I it. And I still stand on the side of that. I do think that if they knew that their whole thing is based off of having have a, a separate network, have up. a have a exclusive secured network for you and you only, but. um I think one of the things that you aren't in here for that I think is interesting, I'm just curious as to what you think about this, is that as much as you've already brought up the fact that this is Sony leaning on where Microsoft can benefit them, specifically with the Azure cloud servers, the opposite side I brought up is that Sony has also already been doing this for years now, since 2013, with uh, PlayStation Now. They're technically the first company, to, I'm pretty sure, at all to do cloud gaming. And if you think about it this way, the expertise that Sony already has with Gaikai, some of the tech they've had to build around that can be used to help Microsoft get their project xCloud off the ground quicker and yeah, more stable. It, it will be a, so it's a mutually beneficial it's a true partnership. partnership. It will be, and I know they've, that, that they've, since they've announced this partnership, that was probably stepping stones for each of them. Like, you know, you get better infrastructure and you get to use Azure and it's going to be great for your service. And it's going to be good for us because we get to take your service and we, you, people get to experience games they haven't been able to experience or they, that we don't offer on our games pass. Yeah. And, um, and it, I'm not going to say, like you said, the willingness to work together. And sorry, go ahead and finish what you were saying. I'm just saying it just works out in, in both parties' favor, and it works out for what is going to be a really good gaming experience. If it if it, if it all comes into and works uh, as similar as PS Now does better, which is I, like I said, I play Brett's using the internet here we have in town. It worked pretty flawlessly. You could notice something off about the game, but it wasn't. You had to look for it to be noticeable, mm-hmm. which is what I was trying to do. Um, but if I was just playing and I got used to it, it wouldn't be an issue. But uh, this comes down to being, like I've said, just said minutes ago, was the greater good is that we're going to have a really, really, really interesting and fun 
generation ahead of us because we're going to be able to play games that you wouldn't be able to typically play if this kind of goes in the way in the in the mindset that we're going now with this partnership and i think i'm just excited for it yeah and what i where i was saying a second ago uh whenever i interrupted you sorry but um the idea that somewhere down the line like i say the people who are looking at this and saying this is the I, and it's not that it's impossible, but a lot of people look at this and be like, oh, this is right here. This is the groundwork that we need to very soon Games Pass will be on PlayStation and PS Now will be on uh, Xbox. I'm not saying, I don't think that that's exactly what this is, but I think with what you're talking about in terms of the uh, the fact that this is the beginning of their willingness to work it's together. It's speculation of the future is what it is. Is yeah. that it's not impossible that, I, I think it's more possible not because I think, you know, not because I am a more of a Sony fan, but I think it's more possible that Games Pass ends up on PlayStation sooner than PS Now ends up on Xbox consoles. It's not impossible either way. I could see that. Because PS Now is on computer. Somewhat. So it's not saying that Sony won't let it go to, to another platform. Yeah. But I also think that the reason Sony lets it go to computer is that all they stand to gain is get people to play some of their exclusives that are older. Go, man, that game is kind of awesome. What am I missing out on exclusive-wise that I could be playing day one on PlayStation 4 right now if I went and bought a PlayStation? Or 5, or whatever, you know. And it's like, maybe I should buy a PlayStation 5 day one alongside my computer. That way, and that's, I think that they're using PS Now on computer more as a segue to pull people who have otherwise been, some of the people who play computer who close themselves off to, well, I'm just playing on computer. Then they go, well, PS Now exists. I guess I'll, I'll check out The Last of Us because I can play it on my computer. And then they do it and they go, man, that was kind of awesome. The Last of Us 2 is coming out. I think I actually might buy a PS4 so I can buy, so I can play Last of Us 2 day one. Yeah, and it, it, it works out well for everybody involved. I think that, of course, some co- like one company is going to have it better than the other, depending on how it's done. And, and this is, like I said, well, all the speculation. Goal. Yeah. yeah. So it's just something interesting that, to talk about, and I really want to hear what everybody has to say because um, there could be so many possibilities with this without getting your expectations too far ahead of yourself. That's true. Because it's not going to happen like what we think in our minds and what what, you, what your first thought is when you hear this kind of article pop up, that they're working together. Because um, it's what you may want to happen. It's what I want to happen. But it's also in, just interesting to think about uh, because it's there's multiple possibilities that could happen and they're all pretty good. Like they're all, they all work, they all work well with each other. So exactly. And if you look at right now, like where Microsoft is and where Sony is in terms of what they've announced so far going into the next generation, it looks like Microsoft's going to lean heavier on being a service and cloud gaming and kind of combine both of those things and get them going off the ground and then also have a powerful console. Whereas Sony's going, we want to be an entirely traditional console. We're still not talking about anything all digital. We're always going to have, at least with a PS5 from the get go, we're going to go out of the door with, a physical media drive where Microsoft's already saying this generation we're okay with the idea of releasing a completely all digital Xbox One and we already see the differences there and I think if you look at how those are going you see that the trajectory for one company Microsoft in this case is like what we've said all along they're getting to a point where Microsoft's going to be more synonymous with the fact that they're a digital platform regardless of what happens and the console is just a means to tapping into that digital platform that you can also tap into on the computer completely depending on how it right now they're talking about expanding Xbox uh, Uh, games pass to where importing some games like the halo collection over to pc 
so that the P- the PC version of Games Pass can become a little bit more broad and a full service. And then you can share that across both those consoles. And then if what we've been speculating for a long time is that Games Pass eventually does make its way to Nintendo and then Sony, and they probably happen to Nintendo first because the, they've, current they've had a better partnership than this starting of one between Sony and Microsoft. Right. Uh, and the fact that they're not as direct a competition. Uh, but when you look at that, and you see it going to Nintendo first and then maybe eventually coming to PlayStation, that looks to tie into what Microsoft is doing moving forward. Whereas PS Now coming to Xbox doesn't quite line up with what Sony's talking about going forward, which is still being a traditional console experience where the whole point of it is you're going to play on a console. It's going to have the benefits of a console, but it's also going to be that you're doing on a Sony platform. Completely agree. So I am curious to see where this goes. And realistically, I like your thing of five years down the line. Let's say five years down the line, what does this look like? And that's where my question is going to be. If you had to be calm, rational, and guess five years down the line, if what does this particular partnership like bear fruit for? Is it that down the road we see Microsoft and Sony closer than ever before and that we see Microsoft products completely on Sony in the next five years? Or is this more of just they stay partnership, but they work towards helping each other in one very specific benefit, beneficial area where they can help each other, which right now looks to be cloud gaming against Google and kind of a help of making sure that Google doesn't make them irrelevant in the, con- in the gaming sphere, not the console sphere, but the gaming sphere. It could be in five years at uh, E3 conferences, you'd have Sony and Nintendo. And then, of course, and then middle way through, all the lights go green and it's Xbox on stage announcing what's coming on these consoles as their service primes. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's yeah. Xbox having a conference. So yeah. it's kind of just interesting to think about because at this point, it's, it's pure speculation on what will happen. And I think it's just a fun idea and conversation to be had. So speculate with us. Speculate Let us know your us. thoughts, what you think is coming. What, and I'll even go, if you want to include your wildest dreams of what you hope this comes from, if they're not the ones that we've already talked about, where you know they, they kind of exist across each other's things, at least in one service, be it the streaming or Games Pass, then throw them at us. Let us know what they are. But with that said, we got to stop recording so that we can move some stuff around and start recording again. Uh, But you'll find out about some of that soon enough. So with that said, this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Sanarud, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino, Stephen Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip LeGuerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Justin Rowe, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, and Thomas McKinnis. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can do so by clicking the link below or going to uh, patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.